So we're talking about intentional living tonight. We're talking about that I and fit, and we're, it's going to be stand for tonight, intentional living. And that is twofold, and, and it carries a lot, and I just want to be very upfront with you where we're going tonight. We're going to, towards two points, and one of them is intentional purpose, and one of them is intentional forgiveness underneath the umbrella of intentional living. You're like, man, you worked hard just to get this I in there. I did. Intentional Living is where we're going, and we're going to talk on two ideas of purpose and forgiveness. And finally, like you all want, let's read some of the scriptures tonight. In Luke 5, you can turn your Bible to, we're actually going to start in verse 4, if we can jump there. The first point, like I just said, we're going to talk on this idea of intentional purpose. And I want you to understand tonight that God has intentionally purposed each one of us to be used for him and by him. First off. But what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the scriptures and we're going to read a story about two disciples and how they received their purpose and what their purpose was. And then after that, I'm going to jump into some practical ways that you and I can only, not only look at the example of the scriptures, but we can then apply it to our life in 2019 today. So let's read. Verse 4 says this. When he had finished speaking, this is Jesus they're talking about. He said to Simon, you might know him as Peter, he's Simon here. He said, push out into the deep water, period. If you're going to live intentionally on purpose, if you're going to live your life intentionally for God, it's going to call you to maybe sometimes in your life to push out into the deep waters where you cannot touch the bottom, when you don't really know what's swimming underneath you, when you're not sure of what's underneath you and you just feel like it goes on and on forever and it gets really cold because you swim as far down as you can. If we're going to live on purpose for God, we're going to have to push out into some of those deep waters where we don't really find comfort, where we can't really feel the sand if we're going to live on purpose. And then it continues on. It says, he said to Simon, oh, no, I read that already. Let down your nets for some fish. Verse 5, Simon said to him, teacher, we have worked all night and we have caught nothing. But because you told me to, I will let the nets down. I want you to understand that these two guys, Simon and, and John, which we're going to see here in a second, they are fishermen by trade. So they grew up being fishermen. And that is what they did, and that is all they did. That's how they provided for their families. That's how they made their income. That's how, that's how they had their hobbies. Like, they were fishermen through and through every single day. It wasn't like Monday through Friday they were fishing. No, no, no. These guys were fishing at all times, at, at all hours of the day. And they were tired. It talks about, man, these guys are like, dude. They know who Jesus is, but they don't really know who Jesus is. And they're like, dude, man, teacher, we have worked all night and caught nothing. And you've come out here in the middle of the night off of your boat, and you've said, now we got to put them back in again. This is literally like LeBron James coming into me here today and be like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be a pastor. Like, I don't think so, LeBron, okay? That, that's not really going to fit here tonight, Okay. So th think about that. If somebody stepped into your arena where you do life, where you hang out, where you are, where you're the professional, and they say, hey, I know you've been working all night at this, but you know what? Just throw your nets out one more time. These guys, they obviously knew something was different about Jesus, so what did they do? They let the nets down. If we can jump ahead to verse 8, and what happens in verses 6 and 7 is that the fish they throw the nets down into the water, and there is so much fish in the water. The, the same place. I just want you to understand, they didn't move places. They didn't go to a better spot. They didn't go to, like, 
whatever it's called, they stayed in the exact same place that the boat was when they fished and caught nothing, and they threw the nets into the water, and they just caught so many fish that they literally could not get them into their boat. Like, they had to call their brother. They're like, fisherman number three, you come over and get some more fish. And like, four, like they're calling people like, hey, we need you to get the fish. There's like, there's so many of them. What, what is happening? We've done this all night, and there's no fish, and now there's just abundance of fish. And in verse 8, it picks up, and it says, when Simon Peter saw it, meaning when he saw the amount of fish, meaning when he, when he understood what was happening, that this guy that asked him to throw the nets down wasn't just a random teacher, that, that this guy obviously had some insight, obviously had some power inside of him. He said he got down on his feet, and he got down at the feet of Jesus. He said, go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. And he and all those were with him, in verse 9, were surprised and wondered about the many fish. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were surprised also. They were working together with Simon. Then Jesus said to them, said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. When they came to the land with their boats, they left everything and followed Jesus. I don't know what you call home. I don't know what you call your security. I don't know what, for these guys, it was fishing. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your parent. I don't, I don't know what your security is. I don't know what gives you your purpose. I don't know. But for these guys, I know it was fishing. And when they encountered Jesus, their purpose was radically changed immediately. And I love the passage because there's not a point where they thought like, hey, y'all all going to do this? Am I going to walk out here by myself? Like, is everybody going to follow this guy or, like, just me? No, no, immediately. They all, as soon as they got back to the shore, it said they left their nets. They left their safety. They left their livelihood. They left their purpose. And they said, I got a new purpose. And it's I'm now going to not just be fishers of fish anymore. I'm going to be fishers of men. And what that means is I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to live out and see other people in my world come to know Jesus. And I tell you that story, one, because we see that when we have an encounter with Jesus, when you and I encounter Jesus on a daily basis, he gives us an intentional purpose. He does. And your purpose, first off, is to be fishers of men like these guys. I'm going to list some more here, and this is the practical side of our purpose, and, and I want you to understand that the story about Jesus is, is to show you that you have purpose, and then I want to show you some of the things that Scripture says are your purpose, because you might be in here, and you're like, hey, I might know that I have a purpose in Jesus, but I can't figure it out. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, it's pretty easy to figure out. If you read God's Word, He's pretty clear on our purpose. He's not really necessarily clear all the time on how you're going to do your purpose, but He's clear on what your purpose is. And this is it. First, your purpose, our purpose on earth is for us to accept the need of a Savior and become a child of God. That's the number one thing. Before you knew who you were, before your parents knew who you were, God knew who you were, and he knew that you needed a relationship with him. Purpose. Second, our purpose as Christians to make disciples. Everywhere we go, school, gas stations, other sides of the country. See, it's easy sometimes for people to go to 
Peru or Zimbabwe or all these, human, these crazy, awesome places, and it's easy for them to get off of that plane and to tell people about Jesus, but then it gets really hard when we get back into our schools and we got to tell the person next to us in math class. God says to make disciples. Your purpose is to make disciples anywhere that he takes you and everywhere he takes you. Second, the third thing is that you're to love your neighbor, period. The Bible says you shall love your neighbor, no matter what your neighbor looks like, no matter what your neighbor talks like, no matter how much you don't like your neighbor, the Bible says to love it. That's your purpose. The Bible also says that we are to become holy, fancy word for set apart. We are to become holy as he is holy. And then I love that verse because it talks about this idea how we can become holy like God is, but it's only through his power and his way and his purpose. So if you're looking for your purpose, I'm hoping you're writing some of these down because I'm giving you a lot of good ones. And then the, the fifth one that I wrote down tonight, and I didn't really want to say this, but God won't let me not. It says to honor, your purpose is to honor your mother and father. Not until you become 18 either. Not until you get 21 and you graduate college and you can move on. No, no, no. The Bible says, it's very clear, honor your mother and your father. You're like, you don't know my situation. I don't know your situation. I'm not going to pretend to know your situation. But I do know the Bible and what it says, and I know it's true. It says to honor our parents. You're looking for purpose? Let's start in those. Let's love our neighbor. Let's make disciples. Let's become holy as God has set us apart. Let's become holy as he is holy. And let's honor our parents. Let's honor our parents. And the last part of intentional purpose is that we cannot abandon our purpose when the going gets tough. It's easy to live on purpose when it's unicorns and rainbows. It's easy. When all life is good, it's really, really easy. But are we willing to live out our purpose, which God has called us to, when it gets really, really hard? When people make fun of you. When people say it's not cool to be a Christian. And that's not even really that hard, I'm going to be honest with you. There's people all over the world which are traveling that are losing their life because they're saying they love Jesus. But we think in America that it's hard because someone makes fun of me about my faith. Come on. We can live on purpose. We can live on purpose. You need another example from the Bible? I want you to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what Jesus prayed to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. This cup simply means the cross, death, separation from God, separation from his Father. And it says, yet. So he prays that prayer. He says, God, if you can take this from me, take it from me. I don't want to go to the cross. He knows it's his purpose, but he doesn't want to really live out his purpose because he knows it's going to get tough. But watch, if it stopped there, that's what it would mean. But it continues on and it says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That should be our prayer tonight. If you're a believer in Christ, God, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. And the difference that will make in our lives. Intentional purpose. So I don't know who you need to talk to. I don't know who you need to, I, I, I don't know who you need to honor. I don't know who you need to tell you love them to. But I think that maybe God has put somebody in your life today that you say, I need to get a little bit better at living out my purpose, which God has given me. I need to get a little bit better at living out my purpose. Intentional forgiveness is part two. And that timer is going so fast. 
intentional forgiveness. And I want you to understand we're going to jump to John 21 now. So if you have a Bible, you can flip to John 21. And you're like, man, you just skipped a whole lot. You just skipped a whole lot of stuff. And I did. And I want you to understand that everything that happened from this moment when Jesus called Peter and John to be disciples, we're then going to see the same exact characters on the scene in John 21. But all the miracles, I mean, they've seen Jesus take blind people and make them see. Uh, they've seen them see lame people and see them walk. They've seen Jesus do a lot of things. They've seen Jesus go to the cross and die, and they know that the tomb is empty, but they've never, that Jesus hasn't appeared back. And we're going to look at a scenario where Jesus appears back to John and Peter again. And the funny thing about this is, is that, again, John and Peter are in a boat on the water. Like, what is with Jesus and boats on the water? I'm not getting on a boat in the water. I'm just telling you, I'm out. I'm done with boats at this moment on after this sermon. And in John 21, verse 15, if we can skip there, it says, when they were finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So you see Jesus on the, the scene here. And it says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt bad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he answered, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And why is this intentional forgiveness, you're thinking? So three times we just saw Jesus, who had died, now the resurrected king, the one that beat death, the one that conquered the grave. We've seen Jesus three times ask Peter a simple question, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? But if you know the story before Jesus died, Jesus and Peter had an interaction, and they talked, and he said, Jesus said to Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, just like Peter would. And then what did he do? He denied him one time. He denied him a second time. He denied him a third time. And then the rooster crowed, and Peter was like, oh, crap, I did what Jesus said I was going to do. And I love the fact that this is intentional forgiveness. Why? You know, Jesus didn't have to say to Simon Peter, hey, three times do you love me? Like one time would have been enough. You know why? Because like he said the last time, he, Simon's like, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you or you know that I don't. Like I don't know why you're asking me three times. But I think it was intentional on Jesus' part. You see, he asked them three times, I think, so that so somewhere inside Peter, he would get the understanding that the three times is significant because you denied me three times, and now I need you to know that you love me three times. And many people look at this story, and they think this is about Jesus for just getting Simon to say that he loves him, like just boost his ego. Hey, I love you. No, 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 no. I think Jesus needed Simon Peter to understand that Simon Peter loved Jesus. You see, Jesus knew that Simon Peter loved Jesus. But I think Simon Peter needed to know still that he loved Jesus, even though he had messed up, even though he was trying to break this barrier in Simon Peter's life that just lives in failure, that when we mess up sometimes, I think we just think that God is like, he's done with me. He, God's not done with you if you've messed up. God tonight, or maybe tomorrow, or, or maybe yesterday, he wants to intentionally forgive you and he displayed that right here. 
And as I thought about the practical side of this, I just thought about the idea that we are offended by everything. Like, some of y'all are probably offended that I have pink shoes on. Now y'all are like, y'all, I don't even know. But y'all are offended by everything. Like, not y'all, we, me, me, Ryan. Like, someone says a little thing to us. Like, like no lie, I, I thought Seth was mad at me all day because, like, he just started avoiding me and he didn't come to work. On, he's, like, he's, like, probably just doing his own thing. Like, dude, I don't want to, like, talk to you. Like, he's not mad at me. He's, I told him, I, we sat there. Is this real? I asked him, I said, are you mad at me? He said, I'm not mad at you. But what happens is I get this idea in my mind that people are mad at me, that I've screwed up, that I did something wrong. And what happens is I tend to live in that at times. And I can't break this barrier of, of like, living forgiven, knowing that it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. Like, Jesus forgave me. And I... I just think that our relationships break down, that our friendships fall apart, that our family relationships break down. Why? Because we live in this state of I'm offended. We live in this state of, like, I can't get out of this, that, that I need this person to come and say that they're sorry to me, that I need this person to do this, or I need this person to do this, that we just live in this trap that says, I'm offended, so I have the right to feel this way. No, you, you have the ability in Jesus to say, I forgive you, even when people wrong you, even when people talk bad about you, even when people do stuff behind your back, even, like, no matter what happens, you have the ability inside of you to say, I forgive you. The truth is, you don't get to, you don't get to dictate what other people do and say to you, but you get to be in control of your own actions. And you get to say, hey, I forgive you. And I think what happens is when we break that, we're always looking for someone to come and apologize. But when we say, I forgive you, and not, it doesn't do anything to the other person probably. But what it does is in our life, it frees us from this idea that I'm offended, that, that, that this person needs to do this for me. And it frees us and it allows us to have relationships that are real. It allows us to push through hard things. I'm sure some of you have friends that you no longer talk to tonight because of a little incident. Now, if you look back on it three years from now, they're like, y'all were really good friends and, and she just said something bad about you behind her back that she probably didn't even mean and now y'all aren't friends anymore. But we have the ability to intentionally forgive. The truth is, if we're going to live fit, we must understand that we have an intentional purpose and that we can intentionally forgive, and that we are intentionally forgiven.